You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. All right, let's get into it. Today, we have a really special Q&A episode from all of the amazing questions that you all submitted that Stefania and I are going to answer. In this episode, Kat and I are going to be sharing our take or in some cases, our discoveries and recommendations based on the questions that you've asked. We're going to be talking about the balance between dedication and overdoing it with our practices It's a fine line between discipline and getting overwhelmed. We're going to be talking about the art of letting go, tips for plant-based eating, our skincare and supplement routine, and how you know if a healer is legit, according to us. So before we get into this conversation, we really want to thank all of you who have been listening to and supporting the podcast and sharing it with your friends. It's been amazing to see your positive feedback and your reactions to this podcast, which we love doing and love bringing to you. So in that spirit, we want to take a moment to ask you to please leave us a written review in the app. It is really helpful for us to have those written reviews when it comes to being able to get the very best guests that we can to come onto the podcast. And keep sharing it with your friends. If you love the podcast, one of the best things that you can do to help us grow and again, continue to bring the best guests onto the podcast is for you to share it with a friend. Share it on social, tag us, We'll retag you. Okay, so let's get into the first question. The first question is a lot of steps we take from a health and wellness perspective are aimed at reducing stress. But do you feel like all the things we're trying to focus on become a stressor in and of itself? On any given day, my to do list across nutrition, exercise, sleep, mindfulness, and relationship community is longer than my work responsibilities. I love this question and it's such a good one. And it's something that I have personally felt as well, especially because I'm personally so passionate about my own health and my own wellness. So I love researching and finding new things that are out there that can benefit that. And there was a time when I was getting super overwhelmed with everything. For example, trying to think positively or say positive things all the time. That was one aspect of what I was doing at the time that... um, Because I learned that it's so beneficial. Were you doing like positive affirmations? Yeah, like positive affirmations. I see. Not having any negative thoughts. And it was actually stressing me out quite a bit because having negative thoughts is a natural human response. So trying to think positively all the time was using a lot of my energy and also causing more stress than just thinking how I 
would normally think and then being more aware of those thoughts and what could be causing them. So that's one example. But I do agree with a lot of the sentiment in this question because there's just so much information out there. So I like how this question specifically ties in the fact that like a lot of these practices are aimed at reducing stress, but are we actually adding more stress when we have a long to-do list that we can't always get to? I think that one of the important things there is not thinking about it as a to-do list, but kind of taking that idea of a list of things that I have to do off the table and thinking about it more as this is my repository of tools that I have and that I've learned that I know make me feel good, whether it's meditation, whether it's healthy eating, exercise, whatever it may be, and then carving out time to practice those things in the morning or in the day, but being easy on yourself if you can only do a few minutes or you can only do one thing today and you're going to prioritize the next tomorrow. I think thinking about it from the perspective of, am I caring for myself? Am I showing myself love and taking care of myself is really important. And sometimes that means that for me, it means sometimes my workout is some stretching and you know some, some breathing exercises. And I've done what I need to do to kind of honor myself that day. I think starting the day mindfully and honoring yourself is really important. And if it's five minutes or an hour, they both have benefits. Yeah. And on the point of what motivates me to keep up with things like meditation and exercise, I don't like sitting there for 10, 20 minutes meditating. I really don't like it. But I visualize how I'm going to feel after I do that. And I do notice a difference. And I do the same thing with exercise. So it's less about the, oh, no, this is something I have to check off on my to-do list and more about after I do this, I'm going to feel so empowered. Now, my day will be so much better. And I have things in my life that I call non-negotiables. And it's really only two is exercise and meditation. And everything else can be incorporated based on if I can fit it in or how I'll feel after. I'll try different things. But those are the two that really make a difference in how I feel. And it's because it's only two, it doesn't feel as overwhelming for me. Yeah. One thing that this made me think of that I wanted to bring up is we've talked about her a bit. The holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole LaPera, talks about self-worth and coming into your power and highest self. One of the things that we do that helps us to do that is keeping small promises to ourselves every day. So that's a psychological tool to build our self-worth and to empower us. So I think that in this case, if we feel that we're breaking a promise to ourselves by not doing something, that can have the opposite effect. And so I think we can kind of apply this thinking to doing it in moderation or doing things for a smaller amount of time. If we say, I want to keep a promise to myself that I'm going to do some form of movement every day, and I do that, and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's an hour, we're still honoring ourselves and, and doing something for ourselves in, in that way. So I'd think about it a lot in terms of what promise do you want to keep to yourself and, and how do you want to frame that? Yeah. To sum it up, something that has worked for both of us that we've, we've talked about this before is just keeping it to two or three practices that really work for you and try not to get so overwhelmed with all of the information out there and just check in with yourself and see what's working for you and do that. Yeah. One thing that I would say just also in closing on this question is one thing I found really helpful with all of these practices is before the day really starts, like when you're first getting up, if you can do this, spend a few minutes quiet and alone with yourself 
and kind of ask yourself or check in with yourself on like what really feels like it would be beneficial to you that day to to pull into your day. So sometimes, you know, you might get up and say, okay, this is my list of things I'm going to do, but that might not be as beneficial for you. Like just this morning, I had planned to work out and do a meditation and I was feeling like, you know what, actually taking like a really long shower and just kind of being chill and calm and, you know, blasting the heat and just sitting and breathing. You love heat. <laughs> is what is going to make me feel great to start this day. And so I did that. And I think that like spending a few minutes in quiet and alone in the morning to help guide you into like what things to prioritize that day is really helpful. Yeah. And showering can be a form of meditation as well. So you're still great. doing it just in your own way. Yeah. And what I do, I wake up. I'm more of a, I guess, a routine-based person. I, if I have it in my schedule, it, kind of, it helps ground me. And everyone's different, which is a clear example from the way that the two of us have just described this. We're all different. That, and that's the point. You have to find what's right for you. I wake up a half hour early every single day. I don't look at my phone. I do a meditation. And that's just something that I've incorporated into my routine. And over time, it just becomes a natural thing that I do. And it doesn't feel stressful because I know I'm waking up. This is what I'm doing. So for our next question, is there truly an art to letting go? Sometimes I put so much stock in the past that I can't truly enjoy the future. This is an interesting question because I think it you know, could mean a few different things, whether we're thinking about control from a control standpoint where you know, have my past actions arrived me at where I want to be or just dwelling on things, you know, in the past is sort of how I interpret this. So Kat, I would love to hear your take on this. Yeah, I think this is such a good question. It's so relatable and so many people, including myself, have dealt with this, either having a attachment to the past or for me, it's more concern over the future. And it's such a great question. I think the thing that works for me, again, is incorporating a meditation routine in my life has really helped me to be more present in where I am today. I even find myself just noticing things outside that I wouldn't normally notice because I'm kind of just all in my thoughts and my head and worried about this and worried about that. But now I'll go outside and see a flower and be like, wow, that flower smells so good. And just I have this overwhelming sense of happiness for the present moment. And I was motivated to continue with meditation after I started having those effects. Because it's hard to stay committed to a practice if you're not seeing any sort of results. So that's a, that has been a real game changer for me. And then in terms of the past stuff, I started looking at and it really depends on the context of all of this, but I look at all of my past experiences, my greatest teacher, and I really don't regret anything that has happened because it has helped to get me to the place that I am today. If we don't have any challenging situations or any hardships, then we really don't grow. So all of those challenges, whether it be a really tough relationship breakup, a family divorce, really going back to any of those challenges, I look back at those and say, wow, the reason why this happened is so I could learn this, this, and this. Yeah. What about you? Well, this is something that, you know, I'm actively 
practicing and working on. And so there's been a few kind of teachings that have been really helpful for me that I can suggest. So one of the biggest is this idea of surrendered action. And so we've talked about surrender a bit on this podcast, but really surrendering to what life is bringing your way and what kind of flow it's putting you in. So along with what you shared, and and surrender is a big kind of Zen teaching as well, but I think it crosses over space and time. But really, to the point that you made earlier, that you're right where you need to be, the universe is putting you on the track that you need to be on and surrender to that and trust that. And with some of the guests that we've spoken to on the podcast, I mean, just Erin last week talked about how, you know, she was really pushing forward to try to make things happen in her career that weren't in flow. And then once she took a break and surrendered, a book deal came to her with zero effort. And I think that that's a great little example of how the universe sort of works for you when you embrace this concept of surrender. And I would I say surrendered action because I think it's not so much about just doing nothing, but following the flow of what's coming easy. So follow those things that are coming easy. Don't push for the things that aren't working or think too much about what hasn't and trust that. I think that that's really been very helpful. I think that an, another that's been really helpful, actually just listened to a podcast on this on the Goop podcast. It's up now from a few weeks ago with Gwyneth Paltrow and Eckhart Tolle, where he talks about the power of now. I mean, he, he wrote that you know famous book and was certainly a thought leader before this concept was in the forefront or in the mainstream, but really embracing the now moment because there is no past and there is no future. There's only now. So I would recommend the work of Eckhart Tolle, reading that book, The Power of Now, but probably my number one resource that I recommend looking at both for the person who's interested in this topic, as well as the one that we just talked about in the previous question around overwhelm and and all of those things is by Ram Das. So Ram Das is a really important teacher to me. He actually passed away this year. He actually passed away on my birthday and it was it was just very emotional for me. His work has meant so much to me and has been so really special in my life. So I recommend reading the book Be Here Now, which is a, an account of his own experience in discovering that way of living and be here now. He spent years studying with leaders in in India, and then he came back to the U.S. and brought a lot of the teachings that started the movement that has culminated into a lot of what we see today in awareness and, and spirituality. I recommend his book, Be Here Now, and I recommend just even follow him on Instagram. He's passed away, but someone is keeping up the Instagram and has lots of quotes and teachings from him and little anecdotes of his life experience all around this concept that there really is no past and, and no future. It's, it's really all about the now. And also this concept of detachment and detaching from outcomes, either previous or future. Yeah. That's beautiful. I want to, I'm definitely, I think you sent me his Instagram already and I checked out some of his stuff and it's really powerful. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's really life-changing. He used to have a podcast and the podcast is still up so you can hear some of his talks as well. But it, it was a huge, you know, sort of loss for 
a lot of people when he passed away recently. But one of his most famous quotes was, we're all just walking each other home. And so, you know, that's his life has been really celebrated versus the loss of him, you know, being felt. So I definitely recommend checking out those resources. Yeah, that's be- I love that we're all just walking each other home. And that's just a also a reminder to be kind to everyone and be kind not only to other people, but to yourself. Yeah. I think one of the other things here, I mean, now we're kind of like going off a little bit, but but that I think is relevant to this question is something that, you know, I've heard Srimati talk about a bunch, which is one of the greatest practices that we can have when we're thinking about, you know, a, a tough thing we've gone through or maybe a person who hasn't treated us in the way that we would like. So I think it aligns with this letting go concept is separate the action and the behavior from the soul. So practice unconditional love for each and every soul, for each and every being that's here. And it's it's not always easy, but let's do our best to separate behavior and actions that we don't like from that being and from that soul. Absolutely. Because a lot of times, and this is something that I've always felt, is if somebody has a negative behavior towards you or to anyone, then there's a lot more going on and they're suffering a lot more. Definitely. What that behavior was and what they did to you. And having that mentality really has helped me to just have more compassion for that person and not react. Obviously, with boundaries, you have to have respect for yourself as well, but just have a bit more compassion. Wow, you did that. You must really be going through something horrible inside of you. Yeah, exactly. So I I guess on that note, I would say my third resource, in addition to the two that I mentioned, would be the work of Srimati. I think there's some podcast interviews that she's done, I think with her husband, Rich Roll, and that have been really moving. And I suggest those as well. So we can link those in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. We're both doing that 21 day of abundance meditation with Deepak Chopra. And actually, in today's meditation, he he talks about surrendering as one of the topics. And he made an analogy to, you know, when you're trying to remember somebody's name or remember the name of something and yeah. you can't remember it in, the, in that moment, but you put it away and forget about it. And then 10, 15 minutes later, it just comes to you. Yeah. That's the same as life. It's like have those intentions of what you want, but just don't think about it too much. Put it away and then it will all come to you. Yeah, I love that. Oprah says that too. That's like one of Oprah's biggest things. One thing I wanted to say before we close on this question is from the work of Srimati. I think we may have have mentioned this in, in one of our first podcasts, but in the context of letting go, she talks a lot about instead of looking at things as endings or failures or didn't work out. So whether it's a relationship ending or a friendship ending or losing a job, the experience came to a completion. It didn't end. It came to a completion for you because you've gotten what you could out of it. And I think that that's really helpful too. Yeah. And that can bring up a whole slew of topics up on that with <laughs> relationships. And yeah, because there's certain times when a relationship, a job could be the best thing for you, but it comes to a completion. There's nothing that you can give to each other anymore. And when it's out of flow, it it doesn't mean that the whole thing was a failure. It just means that it came to a completion. Yeah. 
I love her work around that. All right. Shall we go to a lighter topic now that I've <laughs> been brought to tears twice in this conversation? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. We have a couple of kind of more light, fun questions coming up on our tips around eating and then also on our beauty and skincare and product routines. So the next question is, what are your tips for eating plant-based for your skin, health, and for climate? So that's a big one. And I definitely won't, we won't claim to be experts of, of any sort on, on that or, or really on what we're talking about. We're sharing our experiences, but I can certainly share how I approach this. So of Catherine and myself, I am the one who is, is more plant-based. So I do eat meat occasionally, but my diet is primarily plant-based. And that's come after trying many different types of diets and ways of eating. And I really got into plant-based when I started eating more intuitively. So I've shared before that going with strict diets with lots of rules is just not for me. So I would get really overwhelmed, like we heard in the previous question. And I never met my goals. So whether my goal was, you know, more physical and in losing mass or weight or feeling better, I, I didn't when I was eating on, you know, something that was strict and had rules. Once I started to eat intuitively and really ask my body what it wanted. So the way that I do that is really just getting quiet and thinking about like, what is that thing that I'm thinking about eating right now going to feel like in my body and imagining that. It sounds kind of weird, but some people do like a meditation in the morning and they ask their body what it wants that day. I don't necessarily do it to that degree. I really do it in the moment where I think about what do I want and I imagine, you know, what that nourishment is going to feel like in my body. And I find myself craving like lots of leafy greens, soups, broth, like these are the things that at least right now I I tend to crave and it kind of goes with the seasons. So I think that getting intuitive and, and asking yourself or going through that exercise of imagining like what that food is going to feel like in terms of your nourishment is really helpful for just like getting to the plant-based food naturally and uncovering your natural craving for that plant-based food. I would say another thing that's helpful, just sort of like a little tactical thing if you're working on eating more plant-based is try to cut out sugar and dairy at least for a few days to kind of reset your body. When you have a lot of sugar and for many people, dairy as well in your body, it can kind of just mess up your receptors, particularly sugar. And you won't be able to tap into like what your body's really craving. And once you kind of cut those out for a little while, then you can kind of slowly and in moderation introduce them back in. I think that's really helpful. In terms of skin, one thing that I've learned is that when eating plant-based, a lot of us have sensitivity to nightshades that shows up on our skin. So nightshades are eggplants, potatoes, bell peppers. I mean, there's a list. You can certainly find it online. And even if digestively you can tolerate these things, for many people, there are inflammatory reactions on the skin, whether it's like some redness that's showing up, whether it's, you know, some like little spots or maybe it's a little bit of itchiness. So if you're thinking about eating plant-based for your skin I would def and, and really adopting a diet that's full of plants, I think it's worthwhile to see if you have sensitivity to nightshades, which you can do through your own trial and error, or there's a number of food sensitivity tests that, that you can do as well. So that's another thing that, that I would recommend in terms of, of plants and what, what has been helpful for me. Another thing that's helpful is, is really just researching like what is in season. So that is always helpful for making sure you're getting the best quality food and it's best for our environment. So 
having a low carbon footprint, having, you know, your food has to travel the least amount of miles as possible to get to you is one of the best things that we can do for our, our environment and, and to keep that carbon footprint down. So that's always helpful. And I think that depending on where you live, some grocery stores will do this anyway. From my perspective, simply being plant-based is not enough if those plants and those fruits and vegetables aren't coming from great sources. So, you know, obviously we don't want chemicals and pesticides over our foods. And so organic is more expensive. But I think that if I had to make the trade-off between less quantity and better quality, you know, I'd always do that. I think that every choice matters. And so those are some of the things that I do. I think that this question also asked about skin. So, I mean, I talked about nightshades. One of the other things is foods that are rich in vitamin E are wonderful for the skin. And I think that no vitamin E tablet will equal what eating foods that are rich in vitamin E will do for your skin. What are some of those foods? Nuts, seeds, green leafy vegetables like spinach and broccoli. Certain types of brown rice are are very high in vitamin E if they have that kind of covering shell as well. One of the other thing to note when it comes to plant-based eating is that, and I encourage you to do your own research on this, but some of the people in the biohacking space that I follow, like Luke Story and Dave Asprey, have talked about how vegetable oils and some seed oils can be very rancid and very disruptive on our health and on our body. So you want to get nice cold-pressed olive oils. Really do your research on what oils. I mean, I'm not an expert, but you want to do your research on what oils are produced in a way that don't create any harm to your body or, or carry bacteria. There's always new research coming out, but yeah, that was another change that I made recently. Awesome. Let's get on to the next question. What is your current beauty routine? All right, well, I'll get started. I'll I'll talk about my skin routine and some of the things that I use. So, I really really believe that it comes from the inside out. So, healthy skin starts in the body and all the topical things and treatments are great, but it starts from the inside and that's the primary thing. A couple things I've noticed is that, you know, when I'm going through periods of experiencing higher stress or anxiety, my skin just doesn't look great. So, one of the best things I can do for my skin is practices that make me calm. So exercise, breathing, some of the things we talked about earlier. And then I'll talk about some of the ingestible things that that I take as well. So in terms of topicals, well, actually, and some of the ingestible things. So some of the ingestible things that I have for my skin, number one is the Saqqara Life Source Powder. I love this powder. It really changed my skin and just made me feel great when I started using it. It's all plant-based. So the person interested in plant-based Saqqara, I absolutely love and I love all their products. They have a meal program, but then they also have other products like this powder. The Life Source powder is collagen boosting. There's your daily amount of greens in there. It's got enzymes. It's got some pea protein and it tastes great. I will share somewhere my recipe for the smoothie that I make with it, but you could also just blend it into a nut milk or water and it really has changed my skin. So highly recommend that Saqqara Life Source powder every day. And then I also do some Four Sigmatic adaptogens, but not every day. And Kat, I know you're going to talk a little bit more about the specific adaptogens, but I love the Four Sigmatic adaptogens because they come you know, really well prepackaged and you can take them around with you and in terms of topical, 
I love the Tata Harper brand. I love all of her products. Everything is totally clean, green, non-toxic. I love the Ratonic oil, her eye cream and serums. Highly recommend those. I love Osea, which is a lot of sea and seaweed-based products out of Malibu. Also completely clean and non-toxic. My favorite product is the Hyaluronic Serum. I also use a lot of Ursa Major products on my face and body. I love this brand because it's all really calm, soothing, and the price point is excellent for the quality. And then lastly, on the skincare front, I use the New Face machine a few times a week on my face, which is essentially a machine that works out the muscles in your face. And I have noticed that it has made a difference. And I will link that as well. I have practices like doing infrared saunas and steam if I can. I would love to do it every week. Sometimes it's every couple of weeks. I noticed that that makes a huge difference on my skin. And then because beauty was in this question as well. Just went really quick on the skincare front. Something that I've been doing for years now is using baby oil to take my makeup off. And I've found that that works really well because it's, first of all, it takes your makeup off really well, but then it also helps with wrinkles around the eyes. And I've been doing it for about seven years and it's so good. So I highly recommend that. So because this question also, you know, specifically asked about beauty, I won't give my full kind of makeup rundown, but I want to call out a few kind of hero products that I love. So I recently switched all of my skincare and makeup over to clean non-toxic beauty. You can always use the EWG Environmental Working Group Reference Guide to see if your ingredients and your products are safe. We can link that as well. But there's one product that's not fully verified clean that I just cannot give up and I absolutely love and I've been using it forever. It's the Clay de Peau Concealer. It's like a little concealer stick that is totally best in class, like the only kind of piece of makeup that I... It would be my like one thing I would take to a deserted island. I mean, probably not. I wouldn't wear makeup on a deserted island, but that I absolutely love and highly, highly recommend. And then a couple of others that I'm really into right now. I love all the beauty counter products. I use the brow pencil. I think it is the best clean, non-toxic brow pencil that's out there. And in that same vein, I love Kosas Cosmetics lip colors. They're super saturated. I love them. I think that they're the best quality and kind of pigmentation that I found for clean, non-toxic beauty. Cool. Well, in terms of supplements, I did go on a supplement adaptogen craze at one point. And I really had even vitamins as well. And I really had to tone it down because taking too many can really confuse your body. And you probably don't even need all of that stuff, especially if you're getting all of the nutrients and beneficial vitamins and supplements from your diet. So I did tone it down quite a bit. And I tried a lot of different ones. I love adaptogens and adaptogens have been around for for hundreds of years. It's not a new thing, but it's just coming back into our society now as more and more people are dealing with stress and anxiety and some of the physical impacts of those mental things. So what I currently use in my routine now is ashwagandha or reishi. So both of them have similar effects. So they really calm the nervous system and it almost feels instant. Do one or the other because they have similar effects. 
I would take both of those at night because it really helps me get into that toning it down, relaxing from the day. And I take it actually about 30 minutes before I go to bed. And reishi is also good for the immune system. So the immune system and also calming are some of those benefits. And then along with the reishi or ashwagandha at night, I take nighttime version of magnesium. Luke's story and other biohackers in this space have said that if you're going to take one supplement, let it be magnesium because it's so important. And a lot of things that you're doing, if you're exercising a lot or even drinking alcohol, anything, those things deplete your body of magnesium. So it's a really great thing to take if you have done an intense workout or maybe if you drank the night before to really help replenish that. I take it at night to help me get into, again, that calming state before I go to sleep. And there's different versions of magnesium. So the one that I take is called Magnesium Night Bioceuticals. And I really like that brand. And it was recommended to me by a nutritionist. It's also good for muscle recovery, as I mentioned, after you've been working out. And then in the morning, I take Lion's Mane, which is really good for your brain Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, and I'm sure other people feel this way too, you kind of have that groggy, brain foggy feeling. And this really helps get started through the day. It's known to help with memory and concentration. And I've definitely noticed a difference when I don't take it. And I'll also take a version of the Saqqara powder alongside of that. So that's all I take now. And I have tried a lot of other ones. But like I said, I've been toning it down and really minimizing it so my body isn't consuming too many things in addition to everything that it's getting from foods already. All right. The last question that we have time for today. How do you know if a healer is legit? This one's come up a few times. Yeah, it has. And it's a great question. One of the things that I do and how I discover any healers in the space is by listening to them on podcasts. Because I can tell based on how they're talking about things and the experiences that they had in their life and how they've approached it from a healing perspective, whether or not they seem credible as well. So podcast is a main one that I use. And then also just leveraging recommendations from people. So I went to go see this healer and this is the transformative experience I had. And that could be through people in my network. It could be through social media or people that I look at that are also well-known in the space. But I think podcasts is a really great way to discover and hear their methods and hear them speak about it backed by research and science as well. For me, there's two things that I think about when I think about, you know, is this healer legit? Number one, a legit healer will work with you in a way that empowers you versus creating a reliance on them. So I look for a healer whose approach is, whether it be something physical or something mental or emotional, finding kind of and building that strength within in you, again, versus like creating a dependency. So that kind of goes to my second point, And this is a little bit more tactical. What I found is that like the most legit healers that I've worked with and those that have been most helpful are those that actually don't want you or are not even telling you to come see them again. So for example, my energy healer that I work with, I remember the first time I saw her and even the second time she said, okay, well, 
I, I, the first time I saw her, I didn't go back for another year. And she said, all right, well, maybe I'll see you next year. <laughs> Versus like, okay, you need to come back five times in order to, you know, whatever. It's certainly different if you're working on like an acute health problem. You may need to do something differently. But when we're talking about more kind of spiritually minded healers, certainly someone that isn't telling you you need to work with them or go back to them is something really important. Same thing in, you know, my work with Shaman Durek. I went through a period where I was, I think, making too many appointments close together to work with him. And he said, this is not like therapy. Like, like you don't need to see me this many times. And I was like, okay, that, that's right. I need to be finding the answers within myself. So I would definitely look for that. And, and that would be a red flag for me if someone was creating some sort of like codependent dynamic or saying that you needed to come back to them in a way that didn't feel that you were kind of empowered to, to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys enjoyed this format of the Q&A, let us know. Tell us on Instagram, get in touch with us. We can certainly do more of these if you guys are finding it helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.